what I'm going to talk to you about is the gospel and slavery and what that means today. This week I had one of those major aha moments. You know, you tell me something for like 20 years and I catch right on. I have been reading this for 20 years and all of a sudden it was like, whoa, I never understood that before. So what I'm going to try and do is explain that to you so you can understand it the way I understood it. And we'll see how that goes. The Torah, the scriptures, were first written by Moses. He's the first author of the Bible, right? Now, he writes a bunch of retroactive stuff in Genesis to give you background, but the story really starts with Moses. And Moses is the guy that God chose to get his people out of slavery. So the reason for the writing of the book is because God brought his people out of slavery. Everything starts there. As I say, there's retrospective stuff, you know, he writes Genesis and all that kind of thing to give you perspective and so forth. But the reason for the writing of the book is the Exodus. Because that's where God brings his people out of slavery. That's sort of thing one. Now, if you go back to Genesis 1, everything starts in Genesis. One of the things that happens is when we're created, we're given dominion. It says, let man be created in our image after our likeness, and he has dominion. And what he has dominion over is the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the field. What he doesn't have dominion over is other men. That dominion is not given to us. We are given dominion over the created order, everything except other people. Now, when we ate the wrong fruit and things got all messed up in us, we started taking dominion over each other. We're designed for dominion. That's why God put us here, is to take dominion over the place. So we're designed to do that. That's part of why he made us. But what he didn't do is make us to take dominion over each other. He made us to work in concert with him and take dominion over the earth. But when we got screwed up, like we did, we took that predilection for dominion, which he built into us, and he would turn around and say, Aha! There's somebody I can take dominion over. And we have slavery. That was my major aha. And the whole purpose of the Bible is to tell us how to get out of slavery. Remember I said the Bible is written by Moses. So the first writing of the book has to do with God pulling us out of slavery. One of the things that God says over and over and over and over again in the Torah, and he said it several times today, I was listening for it, I paid attention, is I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. He tells us that over and over and over again. I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of slavery. Big deal. And when I brought you out of slavery, I took Moses and said, all right, now I want you to write all this stuff down. He didn't tell anybody to write all this stuff down before Moses when he took us out of slavery. That's 
the beginning of the writing of Scripture. As I say, there's all sorts of retrospective stuff that happened before that, but it's retrospective. It's to give you context. It's to give you understanding of what's going on. The big deal is the Bible is designed to get you out of slavery. And all of the commandments are designed to keep you out of slavery. So all of the stuff that he says to do, operate this way, organize your life this way, organize your societies this way, those are all his rules to keep you from falling back into slavery. And what happens to us, of course, because we are designed to take dominion, and because we are sinful creatures, is we turn that dominion on each other and we enslave each other all over again. And the story of the Bible is Israel first and then the nations second, bringing each other under slavery and then God reaching in and either sending people into exile because they've gone into slavery to each other or into slavery to other nations and then finally Yeshua comes and what is he coming for? To set the captives free. So the first time God gets us out of slavery to Egypt and that's the reason for the writing of the book. Then Yeshua comes and gets us out of slavery to each other again because Israel has fallen into slavery to itself. So you have the scribes and the Pharisees and all of the mechanisms of government and what they have done is they have wound up enslaving the people of God. And by the way, I've taught you this before, but I'll remind you, it says obey the gospel. Gospel just means good news, right? Peter says, judgment will begin in the house of God on those who do not obey the gospel. Paul says in Romans, his brothers, the Jews, have not obeyed the gospel. And so the thing that triggered my lightning fast mind is, wait a minute, wait a minute, how do you obey good news? You obey when somebody tells you to do something, right? Gives you a command or an order, you obey or you don't. But how do you obey good news? And the thing that I came up with is the good news, the gospel is the Torah. And what Yeshua did is also good news, but what Yeshua is doing is going back to the Torah and he is bringing us out of bondage into freedom. So he's doing the same thing his father did for Israel, but he's doing it now for the whole world. Actually, let me calm down a minute. We were designed for liberty. And what happens with the Exodus is when Israel is adopted by God, it specifically says, in fact, in today's Torah portion, you are sons of God. The relationship that we're supposed to have is father to son, not master to servant. And when Yeshua was raised from the dead, one of the things that he did is gave everybody who believes on him the ability to become a son of God. That's in 
Galatians, I believe. But the whole purpose here is when Yeshua is raised from the dead, he gives the whole world the ability to become sons and daughters, children of God. We're adopted. We get an inheritance. You give an inheritance to your children, right? Israel has an inheritance. You give an inheritance to your children. So the relationship that God wants and intends for us is father to child. And of course, in a family, father to child, in a healthy family, is the children are in obedience to the parents. That's the way it's designed. I mean, it doesn't always happen that way, of course, because we're not really very good at things. But that's the idea. That's the design. And so what God wants us is to be his children and be in obedience to him. And oh, by the way, obedience is, here's a whole bunch of things that I have given you to avoid falling back into slavery and falling back into the world. That's what the Torah is. And it says in Hebrews, for example, that the generation in the wilderness received the same good news that we received. So the book of Hebrews talks about the Torah as being the gospel. And one of the things that our dear brethren in the Sunday church have done is by neglecting the Torah and not understanding the Torah, they have facilitated themselves being brought back under bondage. And what happens with religious organizations, as has happened with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and so forth, is religious authorities are quite happy to exercise dominion over the people who are supposed to be in their care. That's what a cult is, is where a religious authority exercises dominion over the people who are in his following, in his flock. This was a major aha to me, that the entire Bible is, I took you out of slavery, God, or Yeshua. I want you to not be in slavery anymore. And here is what you do and how you behave to stay out of slavery. That's the whole Bible. That's the gospel. And so when you obey the gospel, what you are doing is you are following the path that your father has set before you to keep you free. And when you vary from that path, what happens is you fall back into slavery. And you either exercise dominion over someone that you shouldn't exercise dominion over, or someone exercises dominion over you in a way that isn't healthy. When I finally figured it out, I'm looking at the entire Bible differently. And I'm reading it, and oh wow, I never understood that before. And as I say, our Sunday brethren, God bless them, they are devout, they are good people and so forth, but when they don't understand the purpose of the Torah, what they have done is they have spring-loaded themselves to come under slavery. So the question then becomes, in the Torah today, we're talking about God allowing slavery. So it says, Hebrew slaves, you've got to turn loose after six years. Gentile slaves, you can keep forever. So the question that you should then ask is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If the whole Bible is about how do you stay out of and get out of slavery, why has God got these rules in there about how to treat your slaves? I mean, God is not shy. 
And if God doesn't want you to do something, he will tell you he doesn't want you to do that. Very clear. And it is not the case that he is making an accommodation for a system that was in existence at the time. One of the things you'll see about biblical slavery is, well, God allowed that because that was sort of the system at that time, and he set it up, and he's sort of trying to get people out of it, but he let them do it initially. There's a Hebrew word for that, baloney. That is not true. God is not at all shy about telling you not to do something he doesn't want you to do. So, the question that you have to ask then is, why does he allow slavery? And the answer to that, I believe, is to teach us something. Because by allowing slavery, what he is doing is teaching us how to get out of slavery. So let's talk about the Hebrew slave first. A Hebrew only became enslaved when he messed up. In other words, if you did a crime or something like that, you would be sold to somebody into slavery to pay your debt to society. There's no biblical prison until you get to the Roman stuff in the New Testament. So the idea is if you have messed up and you can't run your life properly, what we're going to do is we are going to put you in servitude to somebody who does know how to run his life and you're going to be discipled, for lack of a better term, and it may be pretty grim discipleage, don't get me wrong, but you're going to be discipled for up to six years and when you're turned loose, he's going to turn you loose with the things that you need to set yourself up in business and don't go be a slave anymore. So, first instance of slavery is it's to correct people who don't understand how to follow Torah. Now, that's very simplistic. So you may be a victim of the whole nation isn't following Torah, and so you've been oppressed or something like that. So I, I don't want to give you the impression that everybody who fell into biblical slavery was unable to follow Torah. It's more complicated than that, but at a high level, slavery for a Hebrew was a consequence of not following Torah. That's thing one. Gentile slavery is different. Because Gentile slavery, it says, you get a Gentile slave, you can keep him as long as he lives, and furthermore, you can pass him on to your children, and he becomes a slave forever. Well, what's that all about? Well, this is Johnnyology now. I don't know how they actually did it. But again, the idea is you have brought a heathen, a pagan, into your family, and he lives with you as you are, we hope, following Torah. And what he does is he learns Torah from you, he learns about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he decides that, like Ruth, for example, I'm going to worship your God. I'm going to follow your God. And once he decides to follow your God, he then becomes a Hebrew. And once he becomes a Hebrew, then the seven years kicks in. Now, I don't know how it was actually done in Israel. I don't know the history of it. But we do know from the prophets that one of the things that got God really grumpy at Israel is they were not releasing their servants after six years. That's one of the things that got them sent into exile, is they weren't doing it right. With Hebrew slaves, so you can certainly infer that they weren't doing it right with Gentile slaves. However, fast forward to the 19th century. 
slaves were emancipated first in Britain and second in the United States. And in both cases, the impetus for emancipation was Christianity. And what believers in God said is, wait a minute, we have brought these people here as slaves, they have become Christians, they are now our brothers, we cannot keep them in slavery anymore. That was the entire impetus for getting rid of slavery in the English-speaking world. So what I'm saying to you about Gentile slavery, it took a while, but we finally caught on and it finally kicked in and we realized that once a slave becomes a brother, then you can no longer keep him in slavery. So what I'm saying to you is the reason God allows slavery is to teach us. doesn't like slavery, but if you screw up and you can't pay your debts or you steal something or something like that, then we'll drag you into slavery to somebody and we'll give you some discipleship and we'll give you some money to set you up and we'll send you off and the idea here is you work your way out of bondage because the goal is for you to be free. Gentiles, you're bringing them into Israel. You're bringing them into a Hebrew family. You are teaching them Torah by example. They are seeing the gods you worship and the idea there is they are to become your brothers and so they are to come out of slavery also. As I say, this was a big aha for me. The whole Bible is designed to get us out of slavery and to give us reasons not to go back into slavery. Now, let's look at where we are today. Do we have people that are trying to exercise inappropriate dominion over us? Yes, we do. And part of that, by the way, is our own sinfulness. We have not cared for the heritage that has been given us. We have not been zealous. We have made a thousand small decisions that have wound up with us being enslaved. So in that sense, we have not followed Torah. We have not done what God would tell us to do. And so we have wound up enslaved. Now, how do we get out of slavery? Who takes us out of slavery twice? God does. The first time he takes us out of slavery is when he takes us out of Egypt. Notice that Israel had fallen into slavery and was helpless. And so God reached in there and grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and slapped Egypt around some and dragged him out of there. By the way, that's salvation by grace without any particular help from them. Then Yeshua comes along and says, huh, you guys have fallen back into slavery again. And Yeshua brings us out of slavery without any help from us. That's also salvation by grace. That's the gospel. So, I will suggest to you that the solution to our problem lies in revival. It lies in 
the kingdom of God, those who are called by his name, those who believe on his name, those who call on his name, those people, us, need to awaken. We need to wake up. And we need to do things like look at, wait a minute, we have let the government start doing something that is supposed to be done by us. We're supposed to give charity. Government welfare isn't charity. There are all sorts of things we're supposed to be doing that we have abdicated to the government. We need to take them back. And the only way we can take them back is if God quickens us. God brings us to a realization that those things are ours to do. Those are not something that we give to someone who wants to take dominion over us. That's the formula. That's the way it's done. So, first off, quit acting like slaves. And second, start doing the things that God tells you to do for your neighbor. It says love your neighbor as yourself, right? That means you're supposed to do stuff for them. That means you're supposed to care for them. That means you're supposed to look after them. That means you're supposed to help them get out of bondage. So it starts with us. Go out and find somebody and get him out of bondage. <laughs>